Welcome to the JMP Cast. I'm your host, Josiah Michael Pyatt. This podcast is centered around the question what does it look like to live in our identity in Christ and to actually participate in the Father's kingdom that's in our midst? On today's episode, we step into the last episode of the series called Someone Should Have Told Me I'm Not Called to Save the World. If we preach and believe in a gospel, that gives us the sole responsibility to see our family members, our co-workers, our neighbors, the city, the country, and the world saved, then what we have done is we've given ourselves as the solution to the world. The challenge is when we do that and when we believe that, then everything boils down to performance, to presentation, to production, to perfection, persistency, and ultimately it boils down to obedience. Preach better, sing louder, pray longer, read more, work harder, be bolder, stand up, stand out, be nicer, all for the sake of seeing those around us saved. The challenge that I have to this is what we have done is we've become the center of the story of humanity in the name of Jesus. Some of us listening to this today are currently living in that type of Christian world. I was for many years. You see, the thing about that world is that it's exhilarating to live that way, but it's also exhausting And I think why it's so hard to leave that world behind is because what it has done is it feeds humanity's deep desire for purpose, for, be- for belonging, for transcending the moments that we're living in life and knowing that we're being a part of something bigger than ourselves. It's hard to step away from that because in that narrative, we have become the center of the story. You see, instead of us being rooted in Christ, we have been rooted in our ability to live for Christ. And here's the ultimate problem with this. You won't find anything in the New Testament to affirm this kind of living. If you don't believe me, for the next couple of months, read three chapters a day of the letters that were written to the churches. So that's from Romans to Revelation. Just read it and read it within this specific lens. Read it within the lens that is basically looking at the call to action in each letter. So when you see an action statement, essentially what I'm asking you to do is highlight, highlight it and see what you discover. Now I actually did this and when I did this, it was surprising. It was surprising to me because what I saw was an emphasis on unity, an emphasis on love, an emphasis on understanding truly who the Father, Son, and Spirit is, and an emphasis on what is on living out what it means to be a son and a daughter. You see, I didn't see this message of saving the world. Instead, I saw this message of being love, of living in unity. 
And this actually caused me to do something that is kind of a, a buzzword these days, which is it caused me to deconstruct my faith. Because what I was reading in the New Testament and what I was seeing taught on a Sunday were totally different worlds and I didn't know how to reconcile it. This actually led me to studying the Bible in university for four years, specifically on the New Testament. And in that journey of studying deep into the word, honestly, that gap that I saw in high school just became bigger and bigger and bigger. You see, what I saw being emphasized and celebrated on Sunday and what I saw being emphasized and celebrated in scripture, there seemed to be this gap. Now, let me be clear. It wasn't that in my childhood or in my high school or in my undergrad, I didn't see Christians. I did all over the place. Genuine, beautiful, loving in Jesus, followers of Jesus. I've seen them all over the place. I am not saying that these people weren't following Jesus. But what I am saying is that it didn't ever really seem to align. Their lifestyle didn't seem to align with what I saw in the Bible. Meaning, not that they weren't living out uh, their faith or loving God and loving people, but what I'm saying is the way that they lived, their beautiful way of following Jesus, I didn't see that being celebrated in the church. The everyday moments of life being celebrated in the church. That's what I'm saying. So to be clear, I know Christians and I've seen their walk and the challenge that I had was what the church was celebrating and what I saw scripture celebrating. And when I saw these followers of Jesus who were doing it so well, they weren't being celebrated or seen for who they are in him. And that made me so confused and so concerned because what I did see celebrated instead was impact, was destiny, was this teaching of having influence, of changing the world, of conquering the land, of seeing everyone get saved for Jesus. And you see, this leads me to the title of this message. You see, I wish someone would have told me that I'm not called to save the world. The Father isn't asking us to initiate, but to participate in His kingdom. His kingdom, not ours. His work, not ours. It began before you and I came into existence, and it will continue after we transition through death into the resurrection. We're not the main character of this story. We cannot change anyone. It is only by the Spirit of God that someone is transformed. So we may have a part to play, but we are not the center. If you read Luke-Acts, which is basically the telling of the conception of the Gospels to the early church, what's interesting is when Luke writes this Gospel, something that he does is he'll start with a specific person and then he'll move to another person and then another person. What I mean is he'll start and he'll talk about Mary and Elizabeth and then he'll focus on John the Baptist and then he focuses on Jesus. Then he focuses on Jesus and the disciples. Then he focuses on Jesus and the crowd. Then he focuses on Jesus and the fair and, and the Romans and Jesus and the religious leaders who put him on the cross. Then there's a focus on the disciples, the 120 and 
in the upper room and then there's this focus on Peter and then there's this focus on Stephen and then Saul who turns to Paul and then Paul and Barnabas and then Paul and Timothy and so on and so forth. Now, what I think is interesting about this is I don't think this is just a literary tool that Luke is using in his writing. I think this actually shows us something about what it means to walk with Jesus. You see, none of those men or women changed the world. Only Jesus did. They all, though, had a small part to play within the grander story that was going on in the world. You see, they all knew who they were in Christ and knew their responsibility. And they had these moments, just moments, to reflect and witness to the kingdom that was in their midst. This was in, through, and for Jesus. That's different than them saving the world. Because it wasn't resting on what they were doing. It rested on what God was doing and they were just playing their small part. Read Hebrews 11. You'll see it all over there with the heroes of faith. You see, we've been in this time of 2020 and I have the privilege as a pastor to be in different church circles, whether it be through denomination or church planning networks or whatever. And so I've been able to pay attention to what the church is talking about during this time. And I have a concern. And that concern is so much of the questions that we're asking and the statements that we're making and the things that we're celebrating, I'm just not interested in it. I just don't think that some of these questions and some of these statements are actually coming from an understanding of who we are in Christ. I have a concern that some of us are living out of scarcity. We're living out of this place of insecurity, not understanding who the Father is and who we are and our role to play. We've given ourselves too much credit. Now there's actually a liberation that can come when we understand that we are not the main character, that we are actually part of a greater story And that story is going to come into completion whether or not you and I play our parts. We have way less responsibility in this than I think many of us want to admit. And the reason why we don't want to admit it is because we're still looking for the things that we do to affirm who we are in Him. So if I'm a preacher, then it's when I preach that I have fulfillment and I have significance and I have worth. But but that's not the right order. You see, I'm a son first. I'm a daughter first right? And it's from this place, this understanding of who we are in him, that we have our security, that we have our belonging, that we have our love, that we have our understanding, our purpose. Out of that place of security, we then discern through the spirit what role we are to play in the kingdom in any given moment. There's a liberation that comes when we realize how insignificant we are and how significant he is. Now I want to finish with talking about loving our neighbor. You see, here's the thing. When we love our neighbor, I don't know if you can relate to this, but when we love our neighbor and we're sitting with someone who has gone through hell who has experienced tragedy and evil. It's in those moments when we sit and we look in their eyes that suddenly these Christian cliches, these things that we put on mugs, don't have any substance. 
You see, it's hard to love our neighbor. It's hard to suffer with those who are suffering around us. And this is where the family of God was established. You see, the family of God is the people of God who are on this journey, who are trusting that there is a greater story going on around us in these people's lives and in our own lives. And when we come together as a family, we mourn with those who are mourning and we celebrate with those who are celebrating. You see, there's something that happens when we come together and we share life with one another. We share in the suffering because ultimately to love is to be vulnerable. And to be vulnerable means there's a a potential to be rejected, to be hurt, to be betrayed. We see this in Jesus's life. He experienced it himself firsthand. Have you ever wondered why when the family comes together, it's on Sabbath, it's on the day of rest? I believe this is not only because God has established this way, but it's actually a prophetic picture. It's a prophetic declaration. You see, when we come together on the day of rest, recognizing the evil in the world, recognizing the need for the kingdom to evade, recognizing the need for reconciliation, all these things, when we come together, we are declaring in this day of rest that it is not by what we will do but it is by what he has done and we may have a part to play and we do, but we are not, it is not dependent, it is not dependent on our obedience for God's will to be done. Our obedience allows us to participate, but his will will be done with or without you and me. And there's liberation in that because then that means that we do everything from a place of rest from a place of assurance, of hope, knowing that God is doing something new in our midst and we get to play a part, you and me. Let me just pray with you. So Father, I ask that right now you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the truth that you have liberated us, that we do not work towards your kingdom. We work from the place of being a part of it in you. Lord, I ask that for everyone watching this, everyone listening to this, that everything we do would be in, through, and for you, not for ourselves, that we would find that rest that can only be found in you, in your presence. And Lord, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that's willing and ready to participate in your kingdom, not ours. We love you and we trust you and we thank you that we can live free in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope something in this has encouraged you. Now, we are going to be finishing season two of this podcast through a special special series called When God Says No, Learning How to Suffer Well. In this series, I'm going to walk with you through the challenges and the the things that I have learned through the health issues that I have had to walk through my entire life. What's unique about this series is that it's actually going to be a two-week journey, meaning that I'm going to release a new episode daily for two weeks. So this is going to begin May 10th and go until May 23rd. There will be a new episode every single day. Now these episodes are only going to be 15 minutes long and I'll release them at 7 in the morning each day on this podcast that you're currently listening to. Now, 
if you would prefer to watch the video version of the exact same episodes, I will actually be releasing those at 7 p.m. on our JMP cast, both on Instagram and Facebook. So essentially, there's going to be three ways to consume this content. It'll either be on this page like you're currently listening to at 7 in the morning, or you can watch it at 7 p.m. on our Facebook page or on our Instagram page at the JMP cast. I'm really excited to share this series with you. It is probably one of the most personal um, conversations I've ever had publicly about the challenges that I have faced with my health issues. Although my hope and prayer is that it wouldn't be just about me and my own journey, but that it would actually be something that can help you within your own process and in your own journey. So I want to just say thank you for everyone who has been listening to this podcast week in and week out. You know, it's now been six months that we've been doing this together. And I just want to say how thankful I am that you have been on this journey with me. And I hope that something in this journey has been worth it um, for you. As we continue to ask this question, what does it look like to live in our identity in Christ and to actually participate in the Father's kingdom that's in our midst? I hope that you have an awesome day. 